Hi, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? It's a little lonely in here, not going to lie. Yeah, it's lonely. I mean, last week we had 30 people in here uh, for our live show, and it was like a bustle. And here we are just staring at each other across the sad dining room table again. Yeah, you try to have a little fun, and now we are back to a nation engulfed in human carnage. Not just human, animal carnage Carnage as well. all over. (laughs) Well, it's just another week here. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. You gotta tackle the elephant in the room, which is the one thing that everybody's talking about, and yet nobody is talking about. <laughs> yes. So, we're gonna talk about it here. Uh, Rachel, what is it? So this is a story about Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's former lawyer, who just announced that he was postponing his testimony before Congress, which is a huge bummer because I don't know about you, but I was, I was really, <laughs> I had like say. February 7th circled on my calendar. I'm really bummed. But, um, you know, he says Trump has been threatening his family, so he has to postpone it, which is very annoying. But there was more Cohen news this week that got lost in the dumpster fire of racist confrontations. That's why we're here. We're here to like salvage whatever is burning in the dumpster fire we- it to your attention yes. for your, as a public service. Because really. it's, it's bananas, you <laughs> okay. know, um, and it, it did get lost. But so the Wall Street Journal reported that back in 2015, there was a man named John Gauger who runs a small technology. Not gouger. He's not a gouger. gouger. He's not gouging anyone's eyes out. I mean, Gauger, I think is how you pronounce it, but he looked, it could be He's gouger. Capable of He's capable yeah. gouging someone's eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> or gouging someone for their money. Yes. Okay. Um, and he runs a small technology company called Red Finch Solutions. He's also affiliated with the illustrious Liberty University. Oh, that's Jerry, Jerry Falwell. Falwell, right? One of the finest be... institutions of higher learning in, <laughs> Barely in the nation. Accredited. Yeah. <laughs> so John Gauger shows up at Trump Tower to collect fifty thousand dollars from Michael Cohen. Wait, when, when did this happen? Like in how long in ago? 2015. Okay, so at the beginning of the campaign, basically. Yes, and the money was for. <laughs> The efforts on the part of Redfinch to rig online polls in Trump's favor before the campaign that began. That bastion of scientific... <laughs> yeah. And so these were just these dumb internet polls like Drudge Report and CNBC. And so he would create a script that would vote multiple Red times. Redfinch was going to do this. This is their yes. business. They create these polls. Yes. Okay. And so um, Cohen you know, surprised John Gauger by not giving him $50,000, but presenting him with a blue Walmart bag containing $12,000 in cash and a boxing glove <laughs> that, that had been worn. That's the services of creating this online poll. Yes. Is that like valid currency in Liberty? What, what is the Liberty University well, have to do with this? it wasn't for creating. It was for rigging the poll. So, <laughs> so he's like a sort of freelance, you know, technologist. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what was the boxing glove? Was it like a vintage boxing glove? So he said it was probably something that he bought at Walmart. But he said or it had eBay. been worn by a Brazilian, a famous Brazilian mixed martial artist arts fighter. And oh, that's I very valuable. Who among us wouldn't want a boxing glove I as payment? I have a whole collection in the back room there. That should be our currency. That's my <laughs> finest, most valuable asset. Yes. You should trade it <laughs> I'm for... I'm taking a second mortgage on it. <laughs> I need to get some liquidity off of my boxing gloves. So it's it's bananas, but that's not even the most interesting part of the story. That is not. Okay. No. So what's crazy about this is that everyone in this situation is trying to grift off of each other. Which this is this is a tale from the grift. It is a tale from the grift. file is under tales from the grift. <laughs> Why and, are you surprised? And each person is more hideous and at the same time more vain griftier. than the next. They're griftier. So, so Michael Cohen 
even though he only paid Gauger, Gouger, $12,000 in a glove, went back to Trump Tower and asked his boss, Donald Trump, to be reimbursed for the full 50 k Of course he can't do this out of pocket. Michael Cohen is not a wealthy <laughs> man, netted. especially after being, especially after, I'm sure, not having his bill paid. He by... netted $38,000 for this endeavor. He netted it? Yeah, because Trump paid him the full 50 k even though he only paid the Red Finch guy twelve oh, k and a okay. glove. So, um, <laughs> crazier still, Cohen asked John Gauger to create a Twitter account for him called at Women for Cohen. And what? The, okay, so the account... What woman would ever be for Michael Cohen other than his wife and his I mother? Mean, wh- he's not running for anything. Well, why it, would you want to be for Michael Cohen? I, and I in what way would that like assist the efforts of, of Donald Trump? That That is my biggest question. <laughs> but let me tell you a bit more about this account. So it was created in May 2016, and it's still active. So, we'll, so you can go look. We'll link to it in the okay. show notes. And it hasn't tweeted since December 2016, but it has the following bio. Does it have like an egg as the avatar? No, it has like a picture of Michael Cohen. Is it verified? It's not verified. Okay. And it <laughs> says, <it's> fraudulent. <laughs> it says, well, that never stopped them before. Um, women who love and support Michael Cohen, strong, pitbull, sex symbol, no nonsense, business oriented, and ready to make a difference. Okay, it has less than 2,000 <laughs> followers. I would say this is all We're nonsense. Each one of those adjectives um, <laughs> or nouns and apposition on its own, but it is not worth our time, even no. our in non-valuable time. And besides from this being like another campaign finance felony, because none of this was reported, <laughs> I, I just don't understand, as you mentioned before, like how does having a Women for Cohen account Help In Donald Trump's campaign. This. Like, have you ever heard of a candidate's <laughs> lawyer requiring a positive opinion on the part of women? Or on the lawyer? Like, his lawyer is, like, fixer? <laughs> the count? No. No. But wait, I don't. I still don't get what does Jerry Falwell and Liberty University have to do with this? Well, the guy, John Gauger, he works at Liberty University and has this side company that oh, helps. Oh, so it's his side hustle. It's his side hustle side helping criminals rig polls. <laughs> what? An upstanding individual. And what? what what would happen, assuming this po- this uh, this rigged poll came out in favor of Michael Cohen, which I'm sure it did? No, Donald Trump. Is- oh, oh, I see. I thought so it was like, what do you were- think of Michael Cohen? No, no the <laughs> polls were for Donald Trump, but the the thing that was so odd was the Twitter account for Michael Cohen. Like, he, it's like he added that in. And the boxing glove currency. And that the- is a legal tender. <laughs> and the Walmart the bag. States. There's a lot of strange elements of this story. I feel like the entire congressional investigation should, should center focus on this. On and I'm really upset. Elijah Cutta, Cummings, yeah. Adam Schiff. If you're listening, these are the questions you Call need to be us. asking. We'll write, the, we'll write the subpoena for you. Yes. <laughs> subpoena Walmart. Why did you sell him? Why are you carrying MMA, vintage MMA gloves? Yeah, this is, I no, mean. No, this is terrible. Shut this down. This is, I'm not shocking and yet as disgusting as everything garbage else. Garbage monsters, There's all of them. We can talk about about the shutdown and so forth, but that is being covered very well. We bring you the stories that nobody else does. You know what else we talk about here? Yep, the Oscars are coming. They're almost upon us. And there were nominations this week. There were nominations this week, and um, the the whole show is shaping up once again to be a total disaster. Last last, last year was a disaster. It, yes, it was. There was like a nineteen percent decline in viewers from the previous year. It was like the steepest drop. And so, what did they do this year? They have no host. <laughs> <laughs> they well, made it worse. They took everything that was wrong with last year's, and they made it worse. They made it worse. So they, you know, we we've talked about the whole Kevin Hart homophobia fiasco, and now they've decided to have no host. 
And I did some research, and there is a precedent for a hostless Oscars. Oh, was this the Rob Lowe Snow White yes, year? Yes, <laughs> I guess that. I didn't know this. It happened 30 years ago, and it was like... I can't believe it's 30 years ago. I watched it as a... It was a total debacle. Like, really, really well, it's bad. it's become like an epic moment in pop cultural history. It's like a meme watching them do the opening number. I think I vaguely remembered it, but I blocked it out, and I watched it this again today. This is where you're today. like a few years younger than me, and I remember it, and you don't. But right. that's fine. It's just in that gap there. But so Let me describe it. <laughs> okay, please do. We'll link so, to it in the show notes. So the opening number was it was like a musical medley featuring an actress dressed up as Snow White. I don't know why. Well, and, the actual Snow White. <laughs> it was a fictional character. Right. Yes. And Rob Lowe together singing a version of uh, Proud Mary, except <laughs> instead of <laughs> saying rolling on the river in the chorus, they said keep the cameras rolling. And oh. it was so terrible. Oh. So the producer of the show was a guy named Alan Carr. And after the show, he was shunned by Hollywood. He never worked again. He became a recluse and he died. Of shame? Of the proud Mary. So Snow White murdered him. Yes. And so we will have a link to the clip in the show notes. But that that does not bode well. <laughs> um, so that brings us to this year's nominees. And I don't really care about the nominees. I want to talk about the snubs. Okay. And That's the, all anyone cares about. Right. Who was not nominated. Okay, so the nominees are all like foreign films that nobody's ever heard of, which leads to us possibly having another winner like last year, which is about a woman fucking a fish. <laughs> right. That nobody saw. That nobody saw. No. And, and I, the, I, I tried to watch. I shut it off after 20 minutes. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'd rather go watch fucking, you know. 30 Rock. I didn't, I haven't seen it still because everyone says it's terrible. No, but don't. I like Guillermo del Toro, but you know, no, no. Okay. Um, so the biggest snub award, I will say, uh, goes to women. Okay. In general. As, as usual. As usual. Why should this year be any different? So there were eight films nominated for Best Picture and not a single one was directed by a woman. And there are plenty of extremely talented women directors putting out amazing creative products. There right? are there are plenty. There were some great films like Tamara Jenkins had that movie Private Life right. with the greatest actress of her generation, Catherine <laughs> Hahn, and Destroyer with Nicole Kidman. And then there was that movie that Melissa McCarthy was nominated for Best As actress. The actress. Yes, but she, not, she also directed, right? Um, Melissa McCarthy didn't, but oh, there was okay. a female, female director, director named Marielle okay. something. I can't remember her last name, but she wasn't nominated. So there was not a single woman in the best director category, although I am happy about Spike Lee finally getting his due and getting right. nominated in that After category. Being snubbed for Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and all the amazing movies he's made. Right, right. right. Um, both Bradley Cooper and Ryan Coogler were snubbed in the Best Director category, which is terrible because A Star is Born and Black Panther were incredible films. And the same thing happened to Ben Affleck with Argo. Do you remember that? Of like Argo won and Ben Affleck wasn't nominated. Like, how is it possible okay, that the I have, movie... I have, a, I have a broader thought about okay. this. So there is one category, two categories in which women really dominate. And I want to make sure we don't forget about those. Those are Best Actress right. and Best Supporting Actress. There's the no... women have their front and center. They're in the spotlight there, as they should be. Right. But that really leads to the question of, like, why do we gender separate the the acting category? I mean, I understand in sports that men and women have relative, you know, physical strengths and weaknesses and, sure, you know, differentiate between those. But an actor and an actress... There's no difference. There's no difference. Show me Lady Gaga versus Bradley Cooper. I think we know who'd win that one. Lady Gaga, obviously. Of course. Like, why do they separate those things? They shouldn't. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, if they did, if they didn't separate it, it would just be all men. I don't, yeah, 
Probably. Yeah, probably. But, um, you know, what really baffled me was the inclusion of Bohemian Rhapsody yes. in the Best Picture category. Yes. Which was a movie that was widely panned that even people who love Queen, I didn't see it because of the people who love Queen and no movies all said it was horrible. It was horrible. It was, you know, the biopic of Freddie Mercury directed by... Brian Singer. Okay, so I will say this. Producing a terrible version of Proud Mary is far (laughs) less of a serious offense than serial pedophilia. Yes, yes. But here we are. That's not a trait we should be looking for in our finest living director. No, no. Here we are, right in the middle of the Me Too maelstrom, and a film directed by fucking Brian Singer, who far from being shunned by Hollywood amid allegations of rape and sexual assault has managed to have a thriving career But haven't for we years. known, this is like an R. Kelly situation, isn't it? Haven't we known this for like 10 years that he's a sleaze, not just sleazeball, like rapist criminal, right? We've known it and he's denied it and there have been periodic lawsuits and today there was a huge article in The Atlantic. Everyone should read it. It was about, it's about Brian Singer's abhorrent behavior over the course of the last 25 years with interviews with several of the men who claim that Singer sexually assaulted them when they were minors. And what's and particularly ironic, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's no. just, it's, it is extremely troubling. And what's particularly ironic and like disturbingly ironic is that this is a, a movie about Freddie Mercury. I haven't seen it, so I've, this is secondhand, but there's enough writing about this that I've read is that it sort it doesn't gloss over his being gay, but they, you know, it doesn't really go into the details and they say, well, we don't really know because he never really came out publicly. So we don't know the details, so we could just kind of like not really deal with it. So, okay. okay first excuse of all, me. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen Freddie Mercury? Have you seen a, a photograph of Freddie him? Mercury? Yeah. B, he may be the gayest celebrity ever, like in the public sphere. C, he very sadly died of AIDS, which is probably a clue. In the midst of In the, the midst of the AIDS, a horrible AIDS crisis in the in the early, late 80s, early 90s. Like, it doesn't take, like, Ronan Farrow or Bob Woodward to figure this out. And you should have been able to figure out some creative details to be able to give some depth to the humanity of Freddie Mercury. And I haven't seen it, but this is what everybody who's seen it has said. Gay, not gay, doesn't matter. This is, like, terrible. And Brian Singer, who obviously has firsthand experience with <laughs> The homosexual experience in America should have known a little bit better, but obviously it's something among the many things that he was suppressing. Right, right. And and Fox did wind up firing him towards the end because his oh, behavior on set was bad. <laughs> but, like, they shouldn't have hired him in the first no. place. There are plenty of good directors out there. And if the surviving members of Queen wouldn't make this movie with anybody else, then don't make, don't the, make movie. the movie. It's not worth it. No Brian Singer. Time's up. You should never work in this town. You put should be behind your, bars. Put down your knife. No. Put down your knives and go. You are a disgrace. You are the perfect embodiment of everything that is wrong with Hollywood. No. Nope. No. Shut, shut it down. Burn it down. down. Okay. Um, so while we're talking about entertainment, <laughs> you know, uh, the Netflix has shown us also that the world of uh, movie making has diversified across the entire world. Like Roma takes place in Mexico. There's Great all this film. incredible, right? So Sweden uh, has really been taking the forefront, and there is a uh, Gothenburg Film Festival. And oh, Gothenburg! We, we are we huge in Gothenburg. Listeners in Gothenburg, actually. <laughs> I, I wish I could say something about it other than that, but I don't know about it other than they have a great film culture. And an H, it's where Volvo HQ is. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's all of our listeners. They're <laughs> Volvo employees. <laughs> so um, on January 27th, the film festival is hosting the premiere of a movie called Anaira, which is a Swedish language apocalyptic sci-fi film. 
Okay. Um, and there's just one twist in the story, is that in order to watch it, you have to watch it in a sarcophagus. <laughs> In a coffin. Is this like a twist on the bird box this challenge? This is like the bird box challenge. This is like Six Flags where you have to lay in a coffin for three okay. days. Okay, you have to watch it in a coffin. Why? So it's called a sarcophagus screening. So eight lucky volunteers <laughs> <No>. <laughs> will be shut into caskets, outfitted with screens, speakers, and air vents, quote, designed to enhance the bleak themes of the movie's late era capitalism dystopian setting. Oh, my God. The so, movie is one hour and 46 minutes in a fucking sarcophagus, but there is at least a red panic button so that when you have your panic attack or cannot breathe despite the air vents. So the screen is in the sarcophagus? The screen is in the sarcophagus. You have to watch it there. Now, there's a reason. There's an artistic reason. Here's the quote. It is a drama about a spaceship carrying consumption-obsessed <laughs> passengers knocked off course en route to Mars that serves as a metaphor for Earth. Our goal was to find a way to take the experience of the film and the apocalypse further. Well, that'll do it. Wait, so <laughs> I have so many questions. So it's knocked off course on its way to it's Mars? It's going to Mars, I guess, to escape the capitalist post-apocalyptic Earth. Okay. It's like 70s, right? And so how is that a metaphor for Earth? It's not a metaphor. <laughs> It's a metaphor for being dead. <laughs> no, they want to have the like enclosure, like you're feeling like uh, confined in by the constraints of late capitalism. Okay, this is like a Bernie Sanders funded fundraiser. Presidential bid. You have to pay. At the end, it's like Bernie twenty twenty. There's a meet and greet at the end. No, I mean yeah. this is uh, this is horrible. Like you should be able to see a movie. Like I like the trend here in America that you get these like extra plush, luxurious seats. Oh, those, that like, you could, pods oh my are god, great. that you could like recline in. And it's order like being drinks it's and, incredible. And yeah. nachos. It's fantastic. The this is the theater. opposite. This is the opposite. Do they give you like what if you have to pee? Do they give you a catheter? Like, <laughs> what's like? What are they going to do next? Like put people in a cage? This no. is absolutely terrible. No, no. no Sweden, no Anyara movie, no coffins, no just lay in a recliner and order your nachos and your beer, your craft no, and beer. Swedish film is good on its own. Not anymore. We don't need that. I hope this doesn't become a trend. Like watch Bird Box in your underwear <laughs> on your sofa. Yeah. <laughs> Eating cheese whiz. No. No. Shut, shut it down. It down. No. 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 So now it's time to move on to two of our favorite artists in the world, which are Azalea Banks and Grimes. And Grimes. Who yeah, you... can you give us a little context? Not too much, just to make sure that everyone knows who yeah, we are yeah, talking Yeah, yeah, I'll about. keep yeah. it tight. I'll keep it tight. So they were supposed to be working together on an album, and Azalea Banks, uh, who's a New York-based rapper, went to visit Grimes at the home of Elon Musk. Who's like an EDM person who's Elon Musk's girlfriend. Was allegedly. Elon right, Musk's okay. girlfriend. So Azalea Banks went to Elon Musk's house in LA and never got further than the you know, the front door the vestibule, vestibule where she got locked in and like she held got hostage a, for an entire weekend. Right. And so there's a lot of beef between Azalea and Grimes right for now. For being a poor hostess. That's right. And this just like burst out into the open. It burst out into the open because that weekend Elon Musk was having a meltdown over a tweet he sent, which has now turned into a lawsuit because the tweet in the tweet he wrote that he was going to take Tesla private for $420 and had funding secured. And now 
Now Grimes and Azalea are embroiled in the lawsuit. Right. So they've been <laughs> like subpoenaed that they have to like maintain all their records. They cannot destroy any of them. And those records include their tweets. Their texts. And their their texts tweets and their photos other, and right. any evidence that might be used. So in of this course case. what happened is those tweets, in addition to being preserved, texts <laughs> were um, leaked. And we have them here. We have them here. And it's a big deal. And we are here to do a dramatic reading. And given how popular last week's reading was, which was Jeff Bezos's text to his lover as read by our finest living actress, Clay Chase, Chase, we are here to do another dramatic reading. Yes. And um, okay, so we have these in front of us. Who are you going to be? I would like to be Azalea Banks. Okay, well, why don't you start? You're the blue text. I'm the blue okay, text and you're you the gray. Ahead? There okay. you go. Heard you got dumped, sis. Congratulations, you win. So stop being a sore loser and stop spamming me, weirdo. You're going to get in trouble, sis. Narc, narc, narc. What does that mean, narc? Okay, narc. (laughs) You don't even have bone marrow, sis, LOL, (laughs) or a decent pair of lips. Bone marrow. (laughs) At least I'm not fat. Or hips, or ass, or tits, and you smell like a roll of nickels. You look like a little boy. You're not enough of a woman for a man like that, sis. You keep trying to provoke Paul. You're not gonna. You're gonna get Elon in more trouble. I suggest you cool it. Elon is way out of your league, sis. Only thing that should be afraid of you is the buffet. After all this, and he still wants to meet me. He wants to. I'm sexy, babe. Want some food? Elon wants this fat pussy. You need an IV and a tan. Sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Some breast implants, some lip fillers, and a burger. Didn't make to f- didn't mean to make you feel bad. Oh, she feels bad. She feels she bad. Feels- oh, it's cooling down. You could never, darling. Oh. You are a basic white woman. LOL. I am by nature superior to you, dear. Good night. Good girl. Back down exactly the way I knew you would. Don't hurt yourself, babe. Sleep tight. Sweet narc dreams. Okay, you brittle-boned meth head. Narc. <laughs> what is this obsession with narc? Narcs. I don't understand the I mean, bones. I know what a narc is in like the general context, but like, wh- why is like it? Is she telling the authorities that about she's something? A narc? Is she, like, I don't know. I'm like telling on, like narking on Elon Musk for all of his drug use. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so this looked like an exchange perhaps between two women who had beef over a man. And that happens, and people say things. But then Azalea Banks, who we respect as an artist, went off the rails. And like just today. Just today, just as we were doing this podcast. You would think, okay, I understand why she has beef against Grimes or Elon Musk or whatever. But now she has... Beef against Irish people. <laughs> the whole nation. <laughs> there was some sort of like to do on Aer Lingus. That kind of lingus. Aer Lingus. Aer Lingus. The our finest, finest living <laughs> Air Irish airline. airline. <laughs> she got kicked off a plane. That's right. So she wrote. Uh, so this was her. These were actual tweets, right? Because I see the verified thing. Don't you have a famine to go die in? Oh, that's horrible. That's I'm happiest knowing all Irish are quarantined on an aisle so they can continue to inbreed and keep their defective genes away from the rest of humanity. This That's woman. Not, and because most of you can't talk or write, LOL. You can't just say LOL at the end of that and assume it's going to be okay. You lot are a bunch of prideful inbred leprechauns. <laughs> 
who have zero global influence and zero white privilege, the rest of the world's white folk don't want to associate with you lot at all, and it's because you are barbarians. This woman needs Wait, to just the stop. The Irish are a fairly harmless lot, I would say. They're the <laughs> and nicest in today's world, people. it was a tragedy in the 19th century of the Irish potato famine, and they did the best, and they came to America and they made immigrated. their contribution. That's yeah. right, and now they are, you know, productive members of the European successful. society. Successful. Like, yes. And who prompted this? Because she had, a, like, a bad meal on Aer Lincoln? <laughs> the entire nation? <laughs> is, no, no. no. I, I mean, after the original text message, Exchange. I was like equal about Grimes and Azalea Banks, but no, Azalea, you're a racist. I mean, Ireland isn't a race. Like Irish aren't people aren't a race. But who called? This is uncalled for. No, it's it's very um, it's below the belt. I have Irish relative. This is disgusting. No, 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 Azalea. You just wanted to play Azalea Banks in the text message reading. <laughs> no, shut it down. Shut it down. What's going on in the scene in Oh, I don't know the Paris fashion scene. Yes, well, so it's. Couture Week in Paris. Oh, right now. muzzle. Yeah. Right. You're, you're an expert in this. You used to write about this I used for the to Wall Street write Journal. About the yeah. fashion industry, yes. So I try to keep my ear low to the ground. And there's no brand right now that's more under the fashion microscope than this brand called Vainmont. Vainmont, French. And, I guess, French. Yes. And they're known for like this 90s inspired streetwear. Like they make expensive basics like a $400 t shirt with like the DHL shipping logo on <laughs> DHL. it. Because who? No, no, it's no, money I well spent. Fed- FedEx and UPS. In <laughs> fact, the other day I got a FedEx uh, delivery and I offered the guy $400 to take his shirt off, but it's just because I wanted to see him with his shirt and he off. Didn't, he didn't do it. He needs <laughs> he a premium. It. No. It's a very hot item. Trouble. Yeah. Okay, so this was on the runway. This was on the runway. Well, not the DHL shirts Those are the were a few seasons ago. Yeah. You could buy in your fine fashion boutique. Right. So the designer said that this new collection was called Antisocial and it's inspired by the dark web. How do you make a fashion? collection is I don't even know what's on the dark web. <laughs> it's, you know, it's where you can buy drugs and guns. No, and, I know what that's supposed yeah. to be, but did this person have like an intern go on and he's like, go find the dark web. I like, what fashion is on there? My question for you is this. <laughs> Are there zebras and giraffes on the dark web? Uh, I don't know, but my guess is no. That is probably not the focus <laughs> of the underground economy. <laughs> look- I mean, maybe there's like a, you know African hunting, like Don Donald Jr. who like hunts elephants and like and sells, sells them, them on, on the dark, dark web. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe okay. that's what the statement is. Because I just feel like for far too long, the runway shows have been dominated by humans. And Except ghost drones. drones. Sometimes there's drones. Sometimes drones. <laughs> so humans and, it's, and drones. And it's but... time that the animals have their chance. So the this this <laughs> show was was shown in the French Natural History Museum, and Vogue described it as uncomfortably close to a display of stuffed taxidermy <laughs> zebras. And giraffes. And in the photos, okay. it looks like they're walking like amid like a okay, herd. Okay, so it's like almost as if the giraffes and the <laughs> zebras are on the <laughs> runway. on the runway. And actually, their clothing was probably more interesting yes, than the right. Vemal. I mean, it's not just, the thing is, it's not just Savannah themed. It's sort of like petting zoo themed as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who among us does not want to buy clothes that have been endorsed by a petting zoo and the, the wildest savannah? <laughs> Except if they were really there, like on the runway, it would be like a massacre, like an animal. It would be. Box. Well, zebras are very wild. They're so, wildest. So it's They're a among good the thing wildest of striped that they animals. Were 
Okay, so but they weren't really walking down the runway. They're in the background. They're in the and background, stuffed. but okay. they it looks like it in the photos. So I was, I you know, I saw the photos and I was like, oh, this is questionable. And, and Vogue <laughs> found best. it to be odd. But um, the clothes were also very odd, as is usual for this brand. There were anarchy symbol, like just very like basic, like oversized sweatshirts with corporate logos, a fake Interpol sign, prison wear. There was a hoodie that said... But this said, seems like basic things that like a design school student would do yeah, for Yeah, but it's like, like the fake. hottest designer and they sell these things for like thousands of dollars. There was a shirt that said, I survived swine flu. <laughs> well, Mungus has not survived swine flu. And, we all have. You're <laughs> we, not special. No, no. It's <laughs> Unless like, a zebra bit you. <laughs> right. Unless you got it from a zebra. Um... <laughs> then then come talk then to I'm us <laughs> but the most extraordinary look was this parka that had these exaggerated flaps that went over your head and they were called texting hoods by the people who were in the audience because okay. it was like a way for you to text in private to create like a zone under of the flap under the flap and there's a whole a peephole that you could look <laughs> out of Wait, but everyone texts on the street why would you want to obscure the fact that you were texting on the street i don't know this is why <laughs> this is why i'm these talking are people about who have this never lived in the real world <laughs> these are people who will live in like academic fashion world who think that that is innovative but in fact it's completely impractical and useless <laughs> it's useless <laughs> nobody who wants to spend one thousand oh. dollars on a sweatshirt to hide underneath a texting flap oh. Oh, no. Every time we think like we've just covered a fashion story that's like yet another fashion designer trying to one up each other with another weirdo thing, we just hit another one. There's just it keeps coming. This so. is terrible. No, I'm not going to that. I'm not buying that. What I'm are not. We? I'm just going to offer my UPS person another four hundred dollars for yeah. a shirt. <laughs> what are we beasts of the field? When there's a hot one. No. <laughs> no. No. Fashion texting beasts. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Fashion says a lot of per- about a person. You know, what they wear sends a social signal, a signal. about who they are. Yes. And we've had a case of this this week in New York City. Yeah, I know. We? we talk a lot about restaurants on this podcast. And there are good restaurants, there are bad restaurants, and there are despicable restaurants. Oh, I love it. That's all I care about, the and, despicable restaurants. And that's what I would call Nello. Have you heard of Nello? Nello, it's like an Upper East Side place where like the fam- real housewives go there. And I've been there, but like I don't feel of there. I go there as like a guest. And I'm very much a aware that I am not of the Nello world. Right. Okay. So the Nello world is this very sort of housewivesy. Rarified. Yeah. It's rarified. Right. They sell like $275 like truffle bowls of pasta. Muscles. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. So um, they're a garbage restaurant. So there's this woman <laughs> named Clementine Crawford, which is a lovely name. That's an amazing name. And she works for a very prestigious branding firm called Finch and Partners. And she's always traveling between New York and London, as many people in the of business course, world international do. International woman of mystery. Yeah. And when she's in New York City, she likes to go out to dinner on the Upper East Side at her favorite local Italian restaurant, Nello, which is near the hotel where she yes. stays. She likes to sit at the bar like many of us. I endorse this practice. Yeah, they, they all stay at like the Carlisle, the Mark, or yeah, one of those Yeah, why not? Places, so right. she can chill out, get some work done, relax, you know, cure her jet lag amid a festive atmosphere. And um, no, she cannot have nice things, nor can we. So after arriving at Nello recently, a waiter told her that she was no longer permitted to eat at the bar and that she must sit at a table. She was baffled. A few days later, she tried to sit at the bar again, and the same thing happened. They said company policy. And she wrote about this, and she said, why, I wondered, was I suddenly being treated so frostily? After further interrogation, it transpired that the owner had ordered a crackdown on hookers.
hookers. Hookers. Why did they think she was a hooker? Was she dressed as a hooker? What she, is a hooker dress she like? She started thinking, like, did they did they think she was an escort? Did they just think she could be mistaken for one? Now, so this is a little bit of a moral conundrum because I do know that at these establishments where I have um, I have eaten and eaten at the bar, mm-hmm. there are a lot of working girls who do work there and they're very sophisticated. They sit there and they, they stay generally until closing time and that's when they sort of strike up a conversation with someone who's a businessman on travel who might be lonely and, th- and that's how they ply their trade. Right. But the the moral conundrum is like, how do you distinguish that person from someone who is a regular non-prostitute person? And why does that not apply to men? How do you not know that a man sitting there is not involved in, let's say, drug trading or, or a pimp? A pimp? <laughs> who knows? Right. So it's clearly a dog. I mean, and I also, why discriminate before it happens? Like if you catch <laughs> someone in the act of solicitation, that's, that's one thing. That's but correct. like, don't just you know, tell a woman she can't sit by herself the at the bar because it's she might park. This is this is ridiculous. This is Saudi Arabia. <laughs> she can't go outside. She can't go alone. Like so Clementine, to her credit, she wrote an essay and she talks about how she spoke to the owner and the owner was such a fucking asshole and they had an explosive argument and he said, I can do what I want in my restaurant. She said she won't be coming back. And she didn't even name the restaurant in her essay, but the New York Post outed them as Nello. Oh, excellent, and, excellent. And I say, Nello, shame on no, you. shame. Do not go to Nello. Not that you would go to Nello anyway. It's it like is. you can get the same food for a third of the price. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. It would be much better. Like this is a place you go to like be seen, except if you're going to be seen by the New York Post in front of this shameful behavior and then like shame on you. Right. It is not their place to judge people's occupations based on their gender. No. Choke on your... T- $275 truffles. I don't know. Your muscles. Pack your, your knives and go. go. No, 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 no. Shut it no, down. No. Shut it down. Don't go there. You know who actually misbehaves in reputable establishments? Who? I'm about to tell you. Okay. It's caused a diplomatic problem. So there are so many diplomatic spats nowadays, especially including Great Britain. So they have Brexit, so many different issues, and Trump and Theresa May, we don't know where they stand, but who expected that there would be a diplomatic spat between England and New Zealand? Wow. It's a Commonwealth country. Yeah, they, they, they have like, a shared history. They have a queen, right? A like shared New language. Z- yeah, that's right. Karen Novak lived there. Yeah. What could be possibly go wrong? That's right. The Hobbit well, lived it, there. The <laughs> Hobbit, Gandalf, they all live there. So, Um, Apparently, and this is like torn up the press, there's a British family of 12 people. So I guess it was an extended family, cousins or friends or whatever it was. And they were tourists in New Zealand and they were behaving very, very badly. Here are some of the behaviors that they exhibited that you will hear got everybody's hackles up. So they, they terrorized the whole nation oh, no, no, of no, New wait Zealand? Till, wait okay. till you hear what they do. Okay. And, and it's, it's understandable. They dumped chips on a beach blanket. <laughs> <laughs> They stole a Christmas tree from a gas station. They're marauding. They're marauding around the country. They left a motel smelling like kids' poo with spaghetti left around the bed. And all of this was not in isolation. It was just days after a 26-year-old pregnant woman, a British tourist named Tina Marie Cash, 
was convicted for stealing energy drinks, rope, and sunglasses. Rope? Rope. (laughs) (laughs) Who among us has not visited New Zealand and stolen a little rope? We all need that. So once the the, uh, marauding British family was, uh, was identified, it was all then documented on social media. So every time they went there, people were taking pictures of Instas of them and posting it, and people knew, beware, stay or clear of these <laughs> of people. This family? Yes. And they would send out, like, amber alerts <laughs> when they were approaching <laughs> to steer clear of the family's location. This is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. So then the final straw was when they, quote, caused a disturbance at a Burger King. What did they do? Uh, it uh, does not <laughs> disclose, although Burger King sort of invites disturbances. But <laughs> this family, I'm sure, went above and beyond, and they were deported. Good. They got an they got a, a whatever a mandate of deportation, and but the family fought back. Family member Barbara Doran said that her family had been quote tortured by the peer pressure of all these New Zealanders who had been unwelcome. So there was some very um, scholarly commentary by someone named Simon Milne, Uh. like A.A. Milne, who is, this this title, wow, is a professor of tourism at Auckland University of Technology. And therein lies a whole other problem that we could do a whole other segment of, like why is there a professor of tourism (laughs) technology? And uh, and he says that it, it taps into a deeper insecurity about New Zealanders. They are alarmed about the pristine nature of their of their environment. Oh yeah, all these people are coming and That's building right. fallout shelters. <laughs> That's right, all the tech executives. <laughs> and in fact, the um, in the last five years, the number of tourists has grown from 1.2 million to 3.8 million per year. That's significant. And the population of New Zealand is 4.8 million, so there are about to be more tourists than actual New Zealanders, which is terrifying. Yeah. But I also think, <laughs> if I may be so bold, I think they maybe should have a thicker skin. Like, having spaghetti on a motel <laughs> bed is probably not a threat to their national identity or to their ecological, like, pristineness. Like chips on a beach blanket <laughs> seems like a relatively minor <laughs> offense. So I think they're being a little bit hysterical, notwithstanding Barbara Doran and her family Keep it in check. Like, just Wasn't there a photo of like the child, child giving, giving a finger like a little topless child like, at the beach, like giving the middle finger to the photographer? Oh, so is... they are monsters. But honestly, New Zealand, Kiwis like also like, you know, get a thicker, thicken your skin. We have to come to a compromise here. There's a middle ground like the wall, like so. We have to. We have to see both sides. <laughs> There's two sides to this. No, no to all of you. No, no you're all terrible. To Australia instead. Let us all <laughs> simmer down. No. no. Wow, we have had more than enough nopes this week. It's been absolutely terrible. I'm sorry we came back after this uh, live show. I wish we hadn't. And yet, here we are. This is the favorite part of the podcast. Everybody's so ironic. This is a podcast about terrible things. And yet, the people thing that people love the most is the yups. These are the things that give us a little beacon of hope, a little ray of light to get us through the next week. These are our yups. These are our yups. 
I have one. Go ahead. This has improved my life just oh. in the last week. Oh, wow. Tell me. Uh, Doug purchased, mostly for himself, but I have uh, <laughs> absconded with it, a weighted blanket. Weighted have you heard about blankets. these? blankets. Everyone's talking about weighted blankets. Okay. So this thing is, this is not one of those cheapo Target ones. This is like an expensive one. It's like a weave. I don't know what it's made of, but it's super heavy. And I don't know how. It's like just is so comforting it's and it has calming. little holes you can put your toes through so they get a little ventilation and um i don't know why i have no biological maybe uh i absolutely love it but the only problem with it is and this isn't really a nope is that um you know it, it helps you fall asleep it's great and it helps you sleep better but the problem is it Makes it very difficult to get up. Not right, just because you're, you're weighted tired, down. You're weighted down. You need to muster the physical strength. You're to like, like trapped in a net. You're, out, yeah. of your, out of your bed, and it makes it very difficult. Notwithstanding, net net. When I add it all up, it is the up weighted blankets. Please go buy one, but not the one from Target. That's like an X-ray blanket that's made of like polyurethane. Get a like quality. Get a really one. nice one. Yup, to weighted blankets. Rachel, what's your yup? My yup, your yup goes to weighted blankets. My yup goes to buttered noodles. Of course, of course. <laughs> specifically, generously buttered noodles. Generously. And this is, um, so there was a meme this week that is so random, but it, it made me crack up. So the New York Times had this recipe for what they called parsley noodles, and they described it by saying, these generously buttered noodles sprinkled with just a quarter cup of parsley for color and freshness are the perfect blank canvas for practically any stew or braise. That makes sense to me. And a television writer named Ariel Dumas noticed the comments on the recipe were really odd and tweeted a photo. And okay. so someone wrote <laughs> in the comments, I love generously buttered noodles sprinkled with just a quarter cup of parsley for color and freshness, which are the perfect blank canvas for practically any <laughs> stew or braise. And then someone else was like, I couldn't agree more. These generously buttered noodles, blah, 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 sprinkled with just a quarter cup of parsley. <laughs> and so the meme went viral. And HBO then tweeted a picture of Olena Tyrell from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and it, it said, tell Cersei. I want her to know <laughs> that generously buttered noodles <laughs> sprinkled with just a quarter cup of parsley for color and freshness are the perfect blank canvas for practically any stew or braise. So to that, I say yup to generously yep, buttered best, noodles. Uh, that may honestly, in 62 episodes, that might be the best yup I've ever heard. <laughs> and on that note, this has been a terrible, terrible week, but some great yups. Great yups. I'm going to hide under a, a weighted really blanket with noodles. Yes. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been great. If you like this podcast, what should you do, Rachel? You should subscribe. Rate. You should rate us. Review. Review us. Tell your friends. We have a five-star review. Did you know that? We do. Average five-star. Yeah. So that means like we have almost all five stars except for one asshole. Fuck you. I know who you are. So. <laughs> you know who they are. Okay. Shout out from the rooftop. Tell your friend. Turn to the left. Turn to the right. This has been... A terrible week, but a wonderfully fun podcast to uh, record and send out to you. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next week. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing. Shoot the shit. We got shit.